Good morning and welcome to the Castle Hill Church service. Our circumstances at the moment remind me of our text to introduce the church service this morning and it's found in Psalm 122 and verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I guess we're all looking forward to the day when we can go into the house of the Lord and we'll, we will be glad when it's back here in Castle Hill. And yet, in another sense, in a deeply spiritual sense, we're rediscovering that the house of the Lord is much more than just a church building, bricks and mortar, comfortable seats and air conditioning. The house of the Lord is just where we happen to be in fellowship with each other and with our God. During this time of the corona pandemic, the networking has been fantastic. It's been wonderful to reach out to one another by phone, by Facebook, by other means on the internet. And if you're feeling lonely or isolated at the moment, then ring someone, ring me, ring Pastor Pablo or Nick or anyone else. What a blessing all this has been. Our preacher this morning is Pastor Nick Cross and his subject uh, is all about the tickle word. Uh, we're going to rediscover what the handwriting of the wall, on the wall says about how we can build our lives. Nick, through his ministry, especially during these uh, six or seven weeks on uh, television, has been a rich blessing. But another rich blessing too has been the, the enormous depth and wealth of singing and musical talent that we have in this church. What a blessing to each one of us. It won't be long before we're back here in the church together live once again. What a day that will be. It won't be very long. On Tuesday, the 2nd of June, we have a board meeting where our agenda is to map out our strategy so that the moment the government gives the word, we can smoothly assemble back together and enjoy one another's fellowship once again. The Sabbath school, the church service, the potluck lunches. But in the meantime, Let's continue to network together and this morning buckle up and prepare for a wonderful blessing during this hour of worship. Good morning, Castle Hill Church. It's great to see you again and I just want to thank you for inviting me into your lounge room. Uh, I'm here at church, missing all of you and feeling very lonely here, looking around at all the pews. It's going to be great one day when we get to see each other again in person, all together as a family. We're going to have celebrations. We're going to have so many good memories to be created in the future. And I thank God for that. I thank God for the opportunity to be together now, though, for the way that we can sit together and talk. We can connect over Zoom. We can call each other. And we can invite people over to our house and we can watch church together. I just want to say a big thank you to the Thompson family for inviting me over to watch church with you last weekend. 
I know um, Clancy and your family went across to see church with Jess's family. How awesome is that? So why not go ahead and take an opportunity, take this opportunity to invite people over to your house next weekend uh, when we do church again. And yeah, look, we're going to get through this together. It's going to be a lot easier if we, if we come together and connect and, and just continue to build our relationships as a church. You know, I've been looking at life in Australia in the last couple of days and, and weeks, and I've been thinking about the fact that things seem to be sort of going back to normal now. I mean, this morning down in the school, all the kids were back for the first day. So it's, just, it's been months, literally, of like silent schoolyards at lunchtimes, which is just so bizarre for all of us staff who are still at school. And there's all these kids running around today and they're looking at each other and they're excited to be together and they're smiling and they're just so happy. And it's, oh, I love it. I love being there. I'm really happy that our children are being able to be brought back out into some sense of normal life again. I've been looking around at towers and, hey, there's toilet paper again. There's uh, sanitizer available. There's pasta. I mean, Sarah loves pasta, so that's good news for us. Um, not only that, I've seen people just walking around Castle Towers and moseying around and they feel this kind of sense of, oh, things are sort of getting normal again. I was thinking about that whole phenomenon and about how the fact that right now, this is happening here in Castle Hill and in the Hills District where we most of us live. Yet on the other side of the world, there's some countries that have like, are doing quite well right now. And there's other countries that are really struggling. Some countries are struggling with just insurmountable amount you know, of cases of this virus. Other countries are struggling with hunger and, and very real problems with finding food and a supply that's going to be big enough to cater to the needs of the country. Yet over here, there's some kind of normalness happening. So in parts of the world, the world's on its knees. But we're here sort of normal and I've got to say it's, it's refreshing as a church. I'm sure you could probably relate to that to a degree. We're finally starting to step out of the amygdala back into our reasoning mind and frontal lobe again and not feeling like tense and like we're reacting to stuff the whole time but we can actually kind of take a breather and say okay well that's good. You know it's an interesting time for us. It's an interesting time for us to sort of Look at our calibration for where we're heading in the future. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know how Australia will go. We don't know really anything about the future. God knows. He is actually the only one who can provide hope for us, truly. We've been looking to our leaders. We've been looking to even those in our family for some sense of security and certainty. But at the end of the day, the only true security and certainty that we can ever find is in Jesus. For some in our church family right now, it's been a difficult time. We've been, you know, finding it hard as families, staying together all the time, uh, tensions rising between siblings. You know, you might be one of those parents having to manage all the kids at home every day, and that would be hard work. I mean, at the school, I work with a bunch of kids, but there's a team of us, and we, we manage and we have fun. But I think if it was just you looking after the kids, that's tough. Um, some of us in this church family are facing financial hardship at the moment, and it's not easy. 
questions come into our mind. God, how come you're not supplying for us right now? God, we, we're running low on our savings. Oh, dear God, we need help. You know, these are prayers that are being prayed by our own church community right now. Uh, and I just want to reach out to you on behalf of our pastoral team and our church family and say, if you are watching this right now and you are under that circumstance, please reach out to us. Please contact myself, contact Pastor Pablo, Pastor Jess, uh, Marvin, our head elder. You know, any, any of us, we'd, we'd really love to be able to reach out and actually help you because we have some resources to be able to help you with that. Um, yeah, for, for some of us, it's been great. We've been able to get out and read books and, and go for a jog and meet up with half the neighbourhood out there on, this, on the path and been able to get more time together. For those who are deprived uh, by work and, and being separated all the time by long hours, suddenly we're able to spend time together again, which is beautiful. So, you know, for those of you who are journeying in that area, I just want to say, hey, let's thank God for this opportunity to spend time together. You know, Pastor Pablo, Jess, myself, we, we've actually witnessed something beautiful taking place in Castle Hill Church um, in the recent times. We have seen people in this church family reaching out and giving up um, significantly generous amounts of like food vouchers or a bit of cash here, some resources, and they're just giving it purely for the purpose to help those who are in need. I think that is amazing. I mean, that's, in, that's encouraging and exciting for us as a pastoral team to see that because in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 46, or 44 to 46, it literally, it says this, all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I mean, we're seeing that right now. Um, and day by day, attending the temple together, sadly we can't do that fully, uh, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I mean, that's encouraging to see people doing this right now. How amazing is that? I just want to say thank you uh, to those of you who've been reaching out and what a beautiful thing it is to be part of a church family. It's something that we really take for granted and it is such a blessing. It is a gift to us to have church. It's not something we do to earn our position with God. It's not something that we do to impress God. It's a gift that he gave to you saying, hey, come together as believers and, and encourage each other and be friends and you know, feed each other and, and just invite each other over and, and be loving and let love be the governance and the direction of your relationships. And when we meet people, when, you know, because Jesus was so passionate about telling people about the kingdom of God, and he was saying, go out and tell people about the kingdom and bring them into the church. You know, and we think about that today. Sometimes we get under the impression that it's like, that means that they need to come a certain number of weeks. They need to do you know, these certain things in order to be accepted into membership of, our, of this you know, fraternity or something. But in reality, Jesus is saying, hey, invite these people into that loving relationship. Invite them into your house. Get them over. Shout them dinner, you know. Just bless them. If you feel like they're, if you hear, oh no, the, something's wrong, you know, maybe they have an issue with the car or whatever and you have an ability to help, go ahead and help them. Like, this is our calling as Christians. It's not just to, to specifically preach the gospel, but also to live the gospel in the way that we live. On a Sabbath morning, Jesus got up 
and he opened up the scrolls, the scroll of Isaiah to chapter 61. I mean, we have chapters today. If you want to read that, go ahead and open up your Bible to Isaiah chapter 61. And we're going to read what Jesus said to, to this church. You know, he wasn't just speaking a nice sermon. He was telling everyone, and for those of us thousands of years later reading this, what his ministry is about. The purpose of his, of his ministry and his calling on this world. All right, This is what he says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. There are people in our church right now who are brokenhearted. Jesus is saying, I am here to comfort you, to give you comfort. We think right now of the Origo family. We think of Waldo and Cynthia and the boys. And we're so sorry for your loss. Waldo, I know that your mum was so precious to you. And I just thank God that Jesus has given us this beautiful hope of a day when we can be reunited, when he returns in the sky, when the clouds are rolled back like a scroll. (sighs) He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to announce that captives will be released, that prisoners will be freed. How many of us are captive right now? How many of us in this church family are captive to something? What is it that we're holding on to? What is it that, we, that we're using, that we're grasping onto to try and make it through life? How many of us are being bound by the very thing that we hold on to? Jesus said, I have come to set captives free, to liberate you from the very thing that's holding you. To free us from the power of sin so that we can walk in the newness of life like it says in Romans chapter 6. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn, he will give beauty for ashes. Joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of despair. For the Lord has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his glory. That is beautiful. Jesus stood up and he looked into the hearts of us, humanity. He saw that we're broken that we need to be set free, that our hearts are often broken by things. And he felt compassion, just like it says in the Bible. Jesus saw the crowds, he was looking at them, and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's how he sees us sometimes, when we are feeling alone, when we are afraid, when we are concerned and when we're worrying, he looks at us and he has compassion on us. He says, man, I have come to set you free to liberate captives, to bind up broken hearts. That is amazing. That is so beautiful. And that is who Jesus is. You know, I look around the world today 
I don't see a lot of peace. I see a lot of uncertainty. Even here in Australia, right now, there's a lot of uncertainty. People I was speaking with just down here at the school this morning, parents, concerns, you know, husband has lost their work. They don't know what's coming. There's no guarantee that things are going to work the way that they had imagined that they would. A lot of uncertainty around. The comfort of knowing what's happening seems to be slipping out of our fingers. And it's a time for us to weigh up what are we really putting our trust into now. It's a time for us to to think again and evaluate where we're standing as an individual, as a church family. What are we putting our trust in? We look back over the last couple of months, look back over your last couple of months, and ask yourself the question, have my foundations been stable? Or have they been shaken? Have the foundations that I've chosen to put my trust in been able to sustain me and give me peace? Or have they been shaken around, leaving you worried, afraid, concerned? You know, Jesus was speaking to the crowds one day. He loved to do it. He loved to, to look people in the eye and give them a glimpse of hope. He loved to speak to them and say, hey, let me tell you a story about the kingdom of God. Let me teach you about the ways of the kingdom of God. And he would tell them about it. And one day when he was speaking to the crowds, he looked out and he said, you know, the wise man builds his house on a stone, on a rock, on a strong foundation. And when the storm comes, when the unpredictable comes, when something that is way out of what we expected rolls up onto the front door, it's not going to destroy that house. The waves will beat against the walls, The waves will crash against the walls and the house will stand because it was built on a rock. And then he said, but those who are foolish, they they build their house on sand. And when the waves come and they beat against the side of that house, it can't stand. It collapses. And when it falls, great is the fall. And then he went on to say, anyone who builds their life on what I have to give you, on my teachings, on my relationship with you, on the, on the offering that I'm going to give, which is my own life. Anyone who builds their life on this is building their life on the solid foundation. They are building their life on the rock of ages. I was reading my Bible just the other day and came across an interesting chapter in the book of Daniel. This is where the title for today's sermon comes from. Daniel chapter 5. If you want to read ahead or read along, go ahead and open up your Bible to Daniel chapter 5. And I'm just reading here from the beginning. King Belshazzar was the new king in Babylon. His predecessor was Nebuchadnezzar, the one that Daniel became good friends with. Um, You probably know a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar. But Belshazzar was the new king. And he was pretty self-confident. I mean, he knew about what had happened with his father. He knew about what had happened in history, but he decided that it didn't really matter for him. He would build his own kingdom. He would have his own ways. And it was all, you know, reasons for him to have pride. 
So he joins together with a thousand of his nobles and he drank wine with them. Verse 1. While Belshazzar was drinking, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So he and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might be able to drink from them. They brought these cups taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the king and his nobles and his wives and the concubines drank from them and they drank and made toasts to honour the idols made of gold and silver and bronze, iron, wood and stone. And at that very moment, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster of the king's palace, right near the lampstand. And the king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fear. Such terror gripped him that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way beneath him. I'm reading from the New Living. I was reading in the King James the other night when I read it, and it said his knees smote one another. (laughs) He was so afraid seeing this hand just magically appear out of nowhere and start writing on the wall. I mean, that would be scary, right? He has taken these vessels designed for holiness, designed for work with God, designed for a purpose, and he's filled them with something that numbs our mind to be able to hear the voice of God. He filled it with something that that takes away our, our ability for our hearts to hear the voice of God. And instead, it turned their attention to these gods made out of gold and wood and rock and things that can't hear. They can't respond. These gods don't have any power over us. It's just a golden statue. You know, in that region of the world at that time, Satan was using golden statues as his way of setting up, you know, items of worship for people. And they would they'd bow down and worship these gods. But he hasn't given up on his methods. There's still things out there today that he is putting right in front of us, hoping that we will give our allegiance to it, hoping that we will give our adoration to it instead of to God. I hope that's not us. You know, I look at what we're meant to be. We are vessels We are meant to be designed for holiness, not to be filled with these things that that numb our minds from God, from walking with him. They saw the finger writing on the wall and panicked. And suddenly reality kicked in. And these words started to write up on the wall. And they said, Nimi, Nimi, Tiku, Aparsan. I hope I pronounced that right. In verse 27 after Daniel had been summoned and brought in, all of the astrologers, the the magicians, the wise men, they were all brought in and none of them could give an explanation of why this writing had happened or what it meant. They were looking at it and they couldn't understand the language. But Daniel came in. Daniel in previous times in history had been brought into the king and he'd been able to solve mysteries because there's a God in heaven who walks with us and reveals mysteries. So Daniel comes in and he looks at the king And he looks at the writing on the wall. That middle word, tikal, I based the sermon on this called the tikal talk, right? The word tikal literally means this. B 
being weighed, in verse 27, being weighed and having been found wanting. Or, as the New Living says, you have been weighed in the balances and have failed the test. That's heavy. That is heavy. I mean, I would never want that to be pronounced over my life. I look around the world today and I see a similar thing taking place. We are looking around. Society is looking around. We're starting to weigh up what's really going on in our world. And we're slowly discovering that it's not passing the test. Many are looking at the injustice and suffering around the world. And they're saying, well, how can we prevent the world from going back to normal after the end of this virus? Because the way it is now, it's, it's just not passing the test. Others are weighing up our leaders. And with contempt, they're calling out that they have been found wanting. Pretty well, almost always morally, right? There's large-scale conspiracies around about the behind-the-scenes of the world and, and how it's really not, it's actually not innocent and it's, it's, you know, there's people out there to get us. As Christians, we read the Bible and Paul says, hey, our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers in the spiritual places. So we know better as Christians and we look and we say, yeah, there is something going on in the background. It's called the Great Controversy. And there is a battle going on, no doubt. Many of us, on behalf of the world, are feeling a need to protect the world from humanity. You know, to protect Gaia from the virus of humanity. People use those words. And it's, it's terrible. I mean, the damage that's been done to the world is terrible. And we are being found wanting in our treatment of this world. God has placed us here as people to look after this world and to care for it. But at the same time, we're turning against each other. And we're going after each other. When the battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's so much bigger than that. You know, I was reading this when it says, being weighed and found wanting. And I thought to myself, I can prevent this. I can prevent myself from being weighed and found wanting by weighing up my life now. By weighing up where I'm standing now and seeing if my foundations are passing the test or if they're being found wanting. Instead of waiting till that day when every knee will bow, I can look at my own life today and so can you. Church family, we always need to do this as Christians. Jesus wants to lift us up and fill us with the joy of his salvation, the oil of gladness. He wants to set captives free and and bind up our broken hearts. But at the same time, we need to be sober-minded. We can't build our foundations on things that will crumble under pressure. We can't build our lives on money on wealth and assets and, and, our, and our jobs and our careers. We can't build our life on these things that can just slip through our fingers like sand. There's only one place to build our house. There's only one place to build our life. And that is on the rock of ages. We long for comfort as people. 
We come to church for that. We come to church to, to be given a little bit of hope. To see that the glimmer of the beauty of God. The thing that brought us here in the first place. I remember the first time. Romans 5.8 God showed his great love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the one that broke me into tears. You have a story like that too. Maybe it's still being written. Jesus has got a story for you. You know, when we're looking for comfort, what are we turning to? Because it starts out something like that. It starts out looking for comfort. And it ends up becoming a foundation of our life. If we're not careful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4. Oh, sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Check this out if you want to join me. Coming to, coming to the end now. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's writing to you and me too. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction remember what Jesus said I've come to bind up broken hearts I've come to set you free from what you are being held captive by I've come to liberate you I have come to rescue you who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. As Christians, we're called to do this. Jesus said, go out and and, and do this. Not because he wanted us to tick boxes and, and get a certain number of people into the kingdom, but because he looked at you when you were lost. And he said, I'm going after you. And then when you join in, he says, all right, now you go out after them. And you go and bring them to me because he's with you every step. You know, when we go out and we reach out to someone, he is reaching out through you. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's not fake comforting. It's not just patting them on the back. We give the comfort that God has given us to the people in our life, to the people in our sphere of influence, to the people that you know who are afraid right now. We give the comfort that God gives to the people in our sphere who are worried. You know, Jesus looking over the crowd, feeling compassion for them. He said, any of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. For your soul. We're called to invite people into that. As Christians, as a church family, this is an interesting time in history. We need to be wholehearted. We need to be wholehearted in our relationship with God. We need to redirect our heart 
and redirect our mind to build our foundation on the rock. We need to start investing in, in the kingdom. We need to store up our treasures there. Not store them up here where moth eats and rust destroys, the thief breaks in and steals. We need to invest our heart into the kingdom. Build our lives on a relationship with God. So that like David in Psalm 23, or Psalm 27, he, he says, My heart has heard you calling. I mean, it's amazing. 27 verse, let me see where it is. 8. 27 verse 8. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. We need to build our lives on a relationship with God where we hear his voice speaking to our hearts and our hearts turn around and say, yes, God, I'm with you. Yes, I've chosen to build my life in you. I've chosen to build my life on the rock of ages. We need to be committed. We need to be wholehearted. We need to come together. We don't know what the future holds. Things could get better. Things may not. But there's only one way that you will be able to stand up through it. There's only one way that you will not be shaken when the shaking happens. And that is to build your life on the rock. To build your whole life within a relationship with God. To take away the distractions, take away the the noise, take away the things that we cling to, the things that we pray to other than God and let him have the, the front seat in our heart. If you want to make that decision, go ahead and click that little raise hand button. Maybe you just want to make the decision and, and you just want to, yeah, I want to, I want to act on this. Go ahead and click that button. If you want to go further, if you need someone to talk to, if you need to reach out, if you need prayer, there's a little button that will come up as soon as you press raise hand and it says request prayer. Go ahead and click that button. Myself, Pastor Pablo, Marvin, Jess, one of us will reach out and connect with you right now if you click that button. This is your opportunity to make a decision today. To say, you know what? I have had the tickle talk in my heart today. I've weighed up the foundations that I've chosen to stand on and they're not really, they're not holding water. So Jesus, I turn to you now and I say, I want you to be my foundation. I want you to be the rock that I base my life on. It's not too late. It's not too late to build your life with Jesus. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, for those people who have just reached out and for those who are still on the edge of their seat deciding whether or not to do this, I just want to say a massive prayer of thank you. A prayer of thanks. Thank you, God, for all of the people who have made a decision to put their trust in you. For those who have made a decision to say, yes, I'm going to build my life on the rock. Maybe some of us sitting here today have already chosen to do that and we're steadily going away and building our life on that rock. Praise God. Thank you, God, for that. There's so many people in our church family who, who are building up their heart after your heart. They're giving, they're giving of themselves. They're, they're reaching out to bless people in this time. And I just want to thank you for that, God. 
There's some of us who, who are brokenhearted and we need to be bound up. There's some of us who really need to come to you, Jesus, and have our broken hearts bound. There's some of us who are captives. Some of us who are being held by something that we don't want to have control in our life. But somehow it just finds its way in there. And we need you, Jesus, to set us free, to liberate us from that. And there's some of us who are mourning right now. Some of us who are facing loss. And we know that you're close by their side. And we thank you for that, God. We give ourselves to you. As one of the pastors here, God, along with Pablo and Jess, we give this church to you. We ask that you'll fill us with your Holy Spirit. We are in agreement with what your Holy Spirit wants to do. We put ourselves underneath the rule and the leadership of Jesus. We thank you for your love, for the way that you laid down your life for us, Jesus. In your name, amen.